0: Welcome to the Wise Women Diaries podcast. This is where shame and victimhood die. I am a woman that questions everything, so this podcast is a reflection of that. Here we speak on non-mainstream perspectives, like healing our childhood wounds, learning to trust ourselves, the voice of fear versus intuition, and how children are our teachers. We discuss what it looks like to own your power as a woman and step out of the medical paradigm. That's why I am obsessed with interviewing women who trust their bodies and babies in home birth and free birth and their wild journey from maiden to mother. Ultimately, this podcast is for women who want to thrive and have inner peace, learning how to take radical responsibility for their life and shed victimhood, for good
1: my name is uh, Stephanie Tovia my story is actually kind of one of sadness and toxicity and like extreme self-destruction it's not something I like to harp about because it's been so long but um you know, I've been through the wringer, you know, of, 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 of mania, extreme depression, eating disorder, pharmaceutical abuse, um, drug abuse, you know, alcohol abuse. I mean, you name it. Like I, I did that. So I have I have um, like a sweet spot in my heart for people who are really in a dark place. And so so much of my journey was about pulling myself out of this dark place and like what it took for me to do that. So I'm really, really passionate about what actually worked for me. So like I'm a projector and I'm a three, five projector. So I'm supposed to go through the trials and errors. I'm supposed to go through the things. Um, I'm supposed to be able to, to recognize what's going on around me and whatnot. So, uh, you know, I sort of went on this like spiritual pipeline. I went through all the things and it really started with a couple, a couple big heroes journeys where I was like, wow, I'm living in the wound itself. I'm forcing my life. I'm not living in alignment. I'm incredibly sick. Um, So it was sort of like a big wake up call. And then I started to get pregnant after, you know, 15 years of infertility, something I, my infertility was just, it was there. It was a part of my life. It was a part of my identity. I didn't get my first uh, menstrual cycle until I was like 20 years old um, because I had an eating disorder in high school and I was like, uh, I was a varsity runner. So I was very, I was very thin, very fast. Um, uh, It was called anorexia athletica, which is when it coincides with like a a competitive sport nature. So it was in my late twenties, you know, I was like 27 years old before I like started getting pregnant. I was like, oh my gosh, it was this weird, crazy psychological shift. Where I was like, okay, like the mother archetype was knocking on my door. I had been living in wounded, repressed, scary, dark, feminine maiden for so long. It was, I mean, I was a very dark, sad, broken person. Um, But when I started getting pregnant, it was this reorientation, a spiritual reorientation, where I was like, oh my gosh, like God wants me to be a mother. My womb is awake you know, she's healed. I mean, like she's healing. So like, as I evolved, I wasn't so hung up on the miscarriages because I realized I'm moving into alignment. I'm not ready to carry these babies, but my body is telling me that, yes, like you're healing, you know, work is happening. Programs are shedding. I mean, I had broken through so many patterns. I had, I got off all, off all the drugs. I started, I started doing the breath work. I started, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole pipeline. I really went through it. Um, You know, I learned about my astrology, I learned about my human design, Um, and I, for the first time in my adult life, I started grounding. I started eating right. I started um, cutting out all the toxins out of my life, and it was this huge pivot point where my, this kind of coincided with my husband's spiritual awakening, too, we're very aligned. Okay, you know, we're living in toxicity, we're living in consumerism, we're living in, in depletion mode. You know, we have no trajectory, you know, in this lifestyle that we're living right now. Like, what are we going to do now that we're being called to be parents? We have to pivot. And so um, we have family land that we are like so blessed to have. And we took a, we, on a little acre that we were deeded, you know, we built these two little yurts out here in the woods, um, right at the beginning of the pandemic too. The uh, the pandemic, pandemic, let's say that, took out our industry overnight our income went from zero 100% to zero overnight we didn't just lose like a little bit of income we lost all of it like screeching halt and it was even more affirming and confirming for us that we were like oh this is why we're making this shift this is why we're building you know look, these little tents glorified house tents out in the woods so that we can um, you know live sustainably and raise our babies here So I ended up having um, my uh, baby here in the yurt downstairs. And uh, that was two and a half years ago, almost two and a half years ago. And I had my second baby a year ago. And so I'm like, I'm I'm integrating parenthood. I'm integrating, you know, all the mother wisdom. I'm kind of off gassing from, you know, my former life. And, um, you know, we're just we're just in this spiritual level up where like I'm helping these little babies embody, and I'm healing my inner child while like, while helping them like, you know, kind of ground themselves in this earth on this plane. I could go, I could speak about it all, you know, like, uh, this, this journey, the healing that I've experienced. Um, and it, and I really can't take credit for any of it. It's God, it's God. The whole entire time I just, I trusted, I trusted and I knew, and I was like, yeah, these moves in my life look so radical. They looks so extreme and people don't understand them. I'm moving out. I'm moving out of our cushy like home in the city. We're building these house tents in the woods. Um, you know, we've lost our income and now you're, they're saying, Stephanie, you want to have your babies in the woods, like out of a hospital, like 45 minutes away from a hospital. I'm like, yes. Like, I just, I know I have to do it. Like, I just know I have to. And it got even more extreme with my second baby because I was like, I don't need help this time. With my first baby, I had a midwife team, um, a doula team, dear friends of mine, really beautiful, special women who are doing amazing work in the world. But um, I felt called to do it alone the second time, and that was a year ago. And so I had a completely wild pregnancy, no scans of any kind. Like, it was so extreme. And I did, you know, And people were like, I, I would, would I do it again if I felt called to? Because the only reason I did it that way was because I felt called to. I wasn't trying to satisfy some, some thing. I wasn't trying to, you know, broadcast it to the world. Like, look how, look how like free I am. Look how sovereign I am. It was just this thing where I was like, I don't need the system. I, all I need is my trust. All I need is that channel from me, like to God and my body and my womb. And like, I'm going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And it was this, just this radical, profound, primordial trust that I was like, just sinking into my, my, my birthing animal body. And like, I just let her lead the way. And so this whole journey um, has been just me, gosh, all the glory goes to our feminine form, this body that I inhabit, female body that has taken me for such a ride. I'm honestly just trying to keep, just trying to keep up. Like everything that I'm working on in my life is just trying to, keep up and integrate like these, these like feminine, these feminine principles, like, and gosh, mothers and women are just, they've taught me so much. Like like the, they, they handed me the torch really. And like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just so humbled that this is where I am and that God has brought me here. And it's crazy.
0: That was so beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. I love how you summarized all of that. I want to get into, because you're going to explain how, I mean, you already did, but how the entire journey was the journey of trust. So let's speak to those 15 years of quote unquote infertility, which we believe that it's not really, it's just the wisdom of your body. It's the wisdom of your soul. It's the wisdom of your baby souls, knowing what you need, knowing what they need. Let's take it back to those years to describe kind of like your inner world and how you were navigating that time in your life.
1: Yeah. Those, during those times of all those miscarriages and trying to, trying to look for answers, you know, I, I had never come into alignment with my, with my grown-up female body. Because I never had a regular cycle, I had by the time I mean even as like a 27, I'm 34 almost, I'm 33 now. But even as like as a young woman, I had only had a handful of cycles, so I did not have this innate hormonal organic dance going on that a lot of women do, where they understand their cycle, they understand their energy cycle, you know, they understand the ups and the downs when they bleed, when they ovulate. I never had that for the better part of my entire life. So, um, when I did start to bleed, when I did start to like regulate and when I started to, um, you know, get pregnant, it was like such a reorientation because it was like me coming home into my energy. It was like, it was, it was, I had shed so much like toxicity and like so, so much psychological weight when I, when I first started to get pregnant and regulate my cycle and, so that was like a personal journey for me. But when I started to like go see doctors, you know, because like I wanted to, I really, you know, I really wanted to know, like, why don't I have a cycle, you know? And so I, I went to, to over five different specialists. And like in Birmingham, like we have like research specialists here at UAB, like some of the best in the world. And even they couldn't answer my questions. They didn't, you know, without huge, that, without going down the huge big pharma rabbit hole, you know, where you become a guinea pig and i almost had that happen to me you know cuz they they wanted me in their research program so like yes come to us we you had a miscarriage here you're in the er here we'll funnel you to our end, our best top endocrinologist there you're just going to love it and i was like yeah like let's go let's figure it out and lo, you know lo and behold i came out of that with severe severe medical trauma you know where they pathologized my body i had um like a really, a really horrific DNC. You know, they uh, they ended up giving us zero answers. Um, they could not give me my genetic material afterwards. They could not tell me why I miscarried. They basically stole our genetic material, you know, It was really, very strange. they and they do that. So I became like a medical activist. I was like, And this, I've talked to many women. This happens every single day. You go get a routine DNC. They want you to get a DNC. They're not, they're not telling you go home and like be with yourself and like release your womb. And like, you will miscarry naturally the way the normal, the way the normal physiological female body works. They're saying, oh, you, we should get that out as soon as possible. Let's schedule a DNC. Lo and behold, you know, your spread eagle in an operating room, you know, with a tube down your throat, and these doctors are are vacuuming out your entire uterus. And they're taking those contents and they're taking them to their labs. They're taking your embryos, they're taking your fetuses, they're taking your placenta, they're taking it all, and they're doing research on it. And if not doing research on it, they're selling it. To big pharma companies and to manufacturing companies and to makeup companies and to the cosmetic industry. Same with baby foreskins. It is so insidious. It is so gross. And so, gosh, that was a big one for me, um, being completely like traumatized medically. And it really wasn't so much like the medical trauma, it was like the wow, I gave my power away. Like I subjected myself to this. I let these people think who I thought were going to help me. I let them do whatever they wanted to me and they lied. They were, they were there for themselves. And I, I, hear the story time and time again, you know, it's the medical trauma. Usually it's that pipeline that wakes women up to not want to be in the hospital anymore. So at a certain point, like I have to have grace and I have to have uh, gratitude for those experiences because not with a 10 foot pole, you know, even in my scared, uh, you know, new pregnant self, you know, having never been initiated and not having like the familiar network to like kind of guide me through, you know, motherhood. I just knew I was not supposed to have a baby in a hospital. I just knew I wasn't supposed to be there. They scare me. I'm needle shy. I, um, you know, I get, I get really nervous when I'm in them. I feel incredibly ungrounded. And so, like I just kept following that intuition. Once I became pregnant, once I became a mother, and it was has told me from the get-go to stay away from the system. Like, if there's an emergency, it has a time and place. You know, allopathic care model, it's a beautiful thing. You know, like if you have a life, like life and death emergency, they can save you. You go to them; they will save you. They are trained in life-saving medical support. But when it comes to the very, very raw, real courses of nature, like physiological birth and pregnancy, we don't need to be outsourcing ourselves to these authorities. Because <laughs> number one, like they are not working in our best interest as women. They're, um, they're working, you know, for their industries. And so I just, it's, it's so sad to see women who are you know, gauging their entire lives, their entire mental, spiritual, emotional, physical health on, on this thing, this, this, this birth, this pregnancy, this uh, fertility crisis, this fertility issue, whatever it is, and they're just outsourcing and outsourcing and outsourcing and how much labor and how much money and how many resources and how much time and how much effort and how much energy all your life force will be funneled into these care models that really aren't going to serve you in any way. And so, so much of me, of my journey was like, uh, um, I'm completely, I have completely divorced myself from that care model. And it's like, it's been, it's been really crazy because I come from a medical family, doctors, nurses, um, you know, medical attorneys, like, you know, you stay in that, you know, that's that that it is the crux of humanity is, you know, the allopathic Western care model. And like, I, I had, it is not, I am so. I'm so not with it anymore. And so, um, you know, that bleeds over into my motherhood as well. And that's another story for another time.
0: Yeah, I want you to speak to the true feminine nature of conception versus the, the masculine forcing and masculine logic that a lot of women have with the journey of trying to get pregnant.
1: So in the conception journey, even, even the whole model of sex ed is wrong. I mean, when we teach kids in sex ed, how, you know, fertility, we don't even teach them number one, how fertility even works. You know, all we know is that like this, the, the, uh, the, the semen, you know, they get into the egg and that's pretty much it. But we know now that the egg is actually emitting like, um, electrochemical signal signatures that will, um, like call the specific sperm into her, into her. And she like hand picks which one she wants. She's like such a queen and um, I mean, her, her electromagnetic signal will change, you know, instantaneously and accept the, the, the hand-called sperm that she pulled out. And so it's like, it's actually the, it's about reception. It's about, it's about receiving. And that's the feminine nature of conception. You know, it comes to us. And so that's a very basic principle of feminine energetic dynamics. It is receptive. It receives. It calls unto itself. It is whole unto itself. Um, and so like the fertility model these days is based in the masculine because you are forcing fertility, you know, um, and so many people are forcing it. They're not they're not even giving consideration to the feminine principle of of conception, you know, like we're supposed to. We're supposed to wait. We're supposed to see what happens. We're supposed to wait for the unfoldment. Um, and so, and that's the process of awakening to feminine healing, because, you know, the hormonal matrix of the female is changing day to day, hour to hour. So your epigenetic makeup is actually different from one day to the next. And so, the more time that you actually like let pass organically but without forcing you know um, a forced pregnancy a chemical pregnancy and an organic pregnancy you're actually you're you're actually having like an evolutionary step up you it's kind of extreme but you might have an evolutionary step up because um, you know your your genetic makeup has changed you've gone through something you're embodying wisdom you're learning to surrender you are working with um you know conception codes you are trusting the process you are um you know you're letting the physiology of your of your mammalian body do its thing and when you force things it's just like you're opening yourself up to a to a i mean yes you can do it there do, there's many people women who are doing it wonderfully but for me personally that was not my journey i could have gone into big i could have gone into big fertility you know i was a i was a prime candidate for fertility treatment but we also know that that's, like a, that's a rich woman's game, you know? And same with surrogacy, also a rich woman's game, you know? It's a rich woman, poor woman's game in surrogacy, actually, you know? So, I don't know. It's, um, it was this big thing where I was like, I'm not even going to engage with that system. I know that if I trust that an unfoldment will happen, something good is going to happen. You know, you don't know when it's going to happen but it can happen it will happen women who are stepping into their their female power and surrendering to the will of the universe and the organic course of nature like there's something
0: really powerful in that like there's something to it yeah i want to say i want to say something about receiving because i feel this so deeply with not getting pregnant for almost a decade if i got pregnant almost a decade ago i would be i would have carried on all of my generational trauma, all of my generational limiting beliefs, all of it. I would have conceived a baby under forceful masculine energy control, not trust. Is that really what I want? No, no. But 10 years ago, my ego mind just wanted what it wanted and it wanted to move heaven and earth to get it. Although, yeah, I never went to big fertility for help because it was never, it's never been in alignment with my values, but my ego mind just wanted what it wanted and mm. thank god i didn't get what i wanted and god was looking out for me my own soul was looking out for me my baby souls were looking out for me but my baby souls have been curating their mother to be the woman they need and i am thankful every single day that i have lived these 10 years without my children because and i can i can cry because i have been reborn into the woman god has always envisioned me to be and my baby souls need me to be to be their feminine leader on this earth this is the journey and it's miraculous and it's beautiful and it's here for you if you want it mm-hmm. and and i thankfully somehow said yes and i would never i would never change anything and my most recent my most recent uncovering of the big topic of receiving is, am I worthy of receiving my miracle story? Am I worthy enough to receive my dream? Am I worth and feel it in your body, feel it in my body? Because the conscious mind, the mindset, yeah, yeah, of course I am. Of course I am. But no, what does your body say? My body, when I say Can I receive my miracle story? Can I receive this baby I know is close to me? And my body contracts. My conscious mind says something, but my body contracts. And my whole journey is about, of course, and I know yours is too, is being in communion with your body again, your womb. Can you receive the thing you say you want? Does your body contract or does it open? And this is a huge thing. And the other ways I see receiving is, can you fully be centered and receive pleasure with your husband and intimacy? How deeply can you receive pleasure in the bedroom? A lot of women shut it down. They have a ceiling. They can only handle so much. They cannot receive a lot. So that's another aspect of receiving. And then what I've also been feeling into is pain-free orgasmic birth. How many women, I believe it's possible. I don't, think, I don't think every woman might desire it because they don't feel worthy of it. I think women might not feel worthy of a pain-free birth because who am I? Who am I to deserve an orgasmic birth? Who am I to de- receive? Who am I to receive the most ecstatic birth? Receiving receiving. So much comes back to receiving. <laughs> gosh, that's so true.
1: And like making, gosh, we have, and as the, as feminine vessels, like it is our bodies. Like that is where the wisdom is. Our brain is just our brain. And so like, we have to sink into our mammalian body, you know, and our on our wombs and our ability, our our conception space. When you say like make room, it really, that is it. That is the crux of it because that is how I got my babies here. I cleared my system, all the toxicity, all the addictions, all the traumas, all those infinite loops, I closed them. Those karmic debt cycles that I was carrying around and around and around and around, I ended them. I closed them. I healed my nervous system. I I I I sat on the earth, my I sat my bare butt on the ground on the earth for hours. Just just attuning myself to nature, just attuning myself to earth's frequency and believing that my womb was healed and like that it was worthy of doing this of what it's designed to do. You know, it's not like we we're it's not like we're asking for anything big. We're literally asking to do what we were designed to do. And, so, and the reason why it's such a problem these days, fertility is such a crisis for so many of us is because of the toxicity. It's because of our genetic inheritance. It's because we are not closing those loops. It's because, I mean, we, we can get into the EMFs and the, and the, and the, the, the petrochemicals and like, you know, our, that and the entire lifestyle. And um, gosh, so much of it is about cleaning up your system, getting remineralized, drinking proper water, making sure you're getting sunshine. And like so much of it really is quantum health. So like, you know, I, I hear a lot of women in the spiritually, spiritual circles getting lost in the, the chakras and the crystals and the meditation. But at the end of the day, it's you and God and the earth. It's you and creation. It's you and your created form. It's you in the created world that you were put on. And it's you and source, you know. All of it is extraneous fluff. It's fluff. And that's why like I had a, I had a, I mean, I still love it. I love to dabble in astrology. I love numerology. I love looking at my chart. I love talking about it. I love human design. Let's read about all the gene keys. But these are like, these are masculine structures. These are systems. They're spiritual systems and they're meta systems. They, they are recognized within each other, you know, because that's how the blueprint of creation works. There is a form to our creation. And so that's why trusting your own form your own creation, your own creative forces is key. You do not put that power outside of you, it's
0: inside. Yeah, another piece is your egg is choosing not to create life. My egg so far has chosen not to create life. And do I want to trust my egg? Do I want to trust my body? Do I want to trust the wisdom of my body? Because the body, nature... All it wants to do is reproduce. That's all it wants to do. So if, if mine has not been reproducing, I want to trust it and listen to it. Like, what is it trying to get me to, to do? Change, shed, heal. And so a big pivot point for me was, oh yeah, the egg chooses the sperm and my egg is choosing not to reproduce. And that, that felt powerful for me. Mm-hmm. That, that made me feel good. Like, yeah, I am choosing that and I'm going to trust that instead of trusting my mind that thinks it knows best. And if my mind got what it wanted 10 years ago, my life would not look the way I wanted and miraculous and beautiful. And so that's why I trust it.
1: Gosh. And that's also the masculine model of being like, why, why, why isn't my egg working? like it's like don't you know like there's divinity like there's consciousness like your egg is sentient your womb is sentient she knows exactly what she is doing you know and that's why like they say like the women who do have multiple miscarriages it's like the body like figuring something out it's the body figuring it out she's never done it before there's a lot going on. There's a gen- lot of genetic material that is getting hashed out. So if something doesn't hash out properly, she's like, oh, this one ain't it. And she's going to save you the burden, save you the trauma of growing a subpar baby to gesta- through gestation. So in conception, in miscarriage, in birth, all the way through, your body is, knows what to do and you have to trust her. It's not a it. I am so, so sick of women saying like I'm trusting my bo- like my body. It, 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 it's not listening, it's not doing what it's supposed to. It's like she is sentient. She is alive. and you, you need to have a, that body dialogue with her. And especially as us women in, in our society, how were we raised? We were raised hating ourselves, hating ourselves you know, I mean, gosh, the hate was so strong. That was like, it was my only, it was my identity. My self-hate was my identity. It was when I shed that one, oh my gosh. <laughs> it was, it, it blew everything wide open for me. Cause I realized like mm, the wisdom is already inside of me. I just have to listen. I have to get out of my mind. You have to control your thoughts. You really do. And birth taught me that, too. I was like, okay, like, if I'm going to do this by myself, if I'm going to do this organically, I cannot be in my mental mind right now. Like, I have to surrender. Like, you, you really do have to just – and that's just how conception is, too. It, it just – it happens when it happens, and your body knows exactly what she's doing.
0: So did you lean into more trust when you kept having miscarriages? Let's talk about your miscarriage journey, and then when you finally get pregnant and it sticks.
1: Yeah, that was, that was like, it was a crescendo. It like, it started with my first one, you know, living downtown and toxicity and, oh my gosh, are we going to be parents? Like God wants us to be parents. This is a possibility. And then it started shifting, you know, hashing out our lives. Like we want to live on the land. We want to live in nature. We want to handle our consumption. We want to lessen our, our carbon footprint. We want to live sustainably. We want to build something. I was also miscarrying during this time. This is over the course of probably three years. It was three years and about, about five miscarriages. Um, and each one, I just opened up more and more and more. And like in my, in my last, my husband and I were actually in our pole barn and we were torching our plywood floors. We were shosuki banning, which is a Japanese term for finishing wood um, through fire. And so I was actively miscarrying while we were working on our plywood floors but I just like knew my baby was coming I knew I knew that this baby wasn't it and it was you know like a like not a whole baby you know um this this baby left left their body and was like oh not now not now and so the last one I had was mere months before you know one actually stuck it was a shift where I it was like gosh Becoming pregnant and miscarrying was actually a spiritual awakening for me. It was exciting, and I didn't look at it as this negative thing. I did initially, you know, because that's what society tells us. You know, that's what the programs tell us. That's what, you know, that's that's the human patterning of the whole thing. You know, like boo, hoo, you know, we had a miscarriage. Something's wrong with the body, blah, blah, blah. But now in our infinite wisdom of our bodies that we have tapped into, you um, you know, miscarrying is just a part of it. It's a physiological process. Um, it is the, it is, it is, it is one facet of the fertility journey that we are on as women. Um, it's not something to be feared. It's not something to be scared of. It's not something to energetically harp on, you know? And, um, and we could go further with that. Like, you know, when I had these, um, these unassisted, my unassisted birth, we had to ask a lot of really hard questions. Like, what if this baby comes out, you know, all maldeveloped because we haven't had the tests and the scans done. And that was also a big, a big reckoning where we were like, we are surrendering to the course of nature. We're surrendering to whatever happens. We'll deal with it, you know, but right now we're going to trust. Right now we're going to sit in faith. Right now, we're going to trust the process. We're going to let the physiological acts unfurl, and we're just going to observe. And that was um, so much of our journey. And so, yeah, our babies came out perfect and
0: beautiful. And, um, you know, it was just just amazing. The miscarriages over and over locked in a deeper level of trust so that when you were pregnant and birthing, that trust was locked in, not to say... Fear didn't come up and more shedding had to be done. But every event led to a deeper unlocking of trust and it's an evolution. We don't arrive to this spot where, boom, we trust one day and we never have to deal with this fear again and and we just forever trust. No, it's an evolution. And, And every day, you know, something might come up or every year a bigger shedding and a bigger unlocking and a deepening of trust occurs. But it's for people who say yes to that evolution of trust.
1: Yes. And because I said yes to that, like, I was a completely different person from the beginning of those miscarriages to the end. I mean, I was was a completely different person. And so my baby was born of this new person. My baby was not born of that old person, you know? And so, like, gosh, that happened for a reason. My child arrived fully loaded. You know, he does not carry that karmic debt, that doubt, that weight, that 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 forcing of things. My baby is is free. He is born in trust. He is born in radical faith. He is born in radical surrender. Um, and so, there's there's something to that. You know, when we don't pathologize our bodies, when we don't pathologize our babies, when we don't pathologize their timing. You know who are we? Who are we to say that we should assert control or or force those things in our lives? You know, like that's you're cutting yourself off when you try to force things that way. You really are because you don't know what you're cutting yourself off from. Because, off like you said, you're different day to day. Your your genetic makeup is different day to day. So you know if you your baby comes when your genetic makeup. Is what it wants it to be. So, gosh, there's something to that, you know. When we when we let our body do its thing, cause, and just and just trusting, just trusting the body, trusting the genetic unfoldment. You know, your, and your your baby knows what to do. Your baby knows when to show up.
0: Yeah, they choose everything. I want to actually bring in Emily, the baby psychic medium that I am friends with. She has this book about baby souls called the cosmic bond and you say something that she says and that me and her recently talked about is that a lot of the baby souls that are coming in they do not want to take on their parents karmic debt and their parents generational trauma so a lot of us are being called to shed it all before they come in because they're like no no no, this is not the life i signed up for I, I asked for a life radically different than the generations and ancestors past because it's a new earth, new frequency, new vibration, where a lot of us are living at a higher conscious level, right? We are awake from the matrix and these baby souls know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And so they, a lot of them are asking us to, to shed our generational trauma, look at our childhood shit, to not project on to them we have to be a radically different person on day one of their birth if we don't want to pass these things on <laughs> we have to be I, I i recently had this uncovering of imagine your child growing up as an adult who do you want them to be what type of life do you want them to live what type of character traits do you want them to have be that person they want you to be that person because it's all about modeling it's not about teaching no our babies are
1: our are- They're incredibly connected to us. Their souls know what they're doing. They, you know, they're here for a reason. They have missions and, like, they can't come here if you're not doing your
0: work. Okay, I want to know what it was like for you when you found out you're pregnant with your son and you didn't miscarry. Did you have a feeling this was it or were you just taking it day by day? That
1: one it was definitely – a day by day one. You know, I had never been pregnant that long before. So after it started, you know, after the after the first trimester, I was like, okay, here we are, this baby's sticking. Because most uh, miscarriages happen in the first trimester. That happens for a reason, you know, our bodies know what they're doing. Um, so after that first trimester, I shed a lot of the fear. I was like, okay, this baby's sticking. Um, and so at that point, it became more about radical trust because a lot of those old patterns, um, of doubt of like, even like, do I deserve this? Like, am I going to learn through more pain? Like, is, you know, like, is, is this going to be, you know, like, am I some horror, horrific death? Like, you know, our brains go there as mothers, especially as new mothers, especially when we're pregnant. Like (laughs) I don't mean to, but my, I will always go to worst case scenario or at least imagine it and always kind of like play out those different timelines, those possibilities, you know, just to be aware of them. Um, but it was like a huge integration of fear. It was a huge digestion of fear for me where I was like, okay, this, even though I'm living in a radical trust and I know this baby isn't going to miscarry, why am I still scared? Okay. Like I'm still scared. Um, and even in the birth, I'm still scared. I, I still, part of me does not believe that this baby is going to be here. A part of me does not believe that he's going to be here and he's going to be alive when he comes out. It was a huge thing for me. I was really hung up on it. And so a lot of my work with my first pregnancy was digesting that fear and sitting with it because it wasn't going anywhere. And it was valid because that's a real fear that, you know, that's a real fear. It's a real thing. Um, But uh, what freed me to do what I wanted to do, which is to birth in my power and birth in sovereignty and to not, you know, be overtaken by fear was to literally just accept that that is a possibility. You know, it is a potential timeline. Um, but you know, just because these things happen doesn't mean they are going to happen, and that was like a big framework where I was like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm letting my ego run the show, and I was like, okay, all this fear, all this fear is projected fear. It's not even, it's not even really mine. It's my ego's fear. It's um, societal programming sphere. It is how I was raised to look at birth um, and pregnancy. It needs to be pathologized. You need all the medications. You need all the injections. You need all the scans. And it was like, um, uh, you know, it was just, I just, I started to, to trust and realize like it is what it is. You know, there's, you're never going to overcome a lot of these fears. I think that's what stops a lot of women from even home birthing, too, is just they're, they're hung up on the fears and the what ifs and the what ifs and the what ifs. But it's like, what if what? So what? Like, what if what? It's like you're going to talk yourselves into, into a circle and you're never going to live any of your dreams out if you just harp on the what ifs. You know, so it was like a huge digestion of the fear. Like I, I held it up into the light and I looked at it at all the different angles and I ate it and I consumed it and I digested it and I integrated it into my body. And then I was no longer scared of the fear. It was just, it, it is what it is. It is a potential timeline. It is a possibility. It is, you know, miscarrying and stillbirth. Um, these are all fears that are very
0: real and valid. So what? So what? Oh, what I, what I heard when you were saying that is that when the fears first came up, it's so easy to be resistant to it because it's so uncomfortable. Fear is so uncomfortable to sit with. So a lot of people run away, shut it down, do an action out of fear to try to silence it, and you sat with it and got to a place of acceptance. It was the only way. You know, radical trust
1: frees you to do the thing. You know, you have to just be like, it it literally, you got to muster up all your courage and just like, am I going to do this or am I going to, am I going to like, am I going to bitch about it? Am I going to be scared and ruminate and sit in this fear and like be on this, this negative loop of what if, and like all the fear and all this. So scary, Do it is scary. It's terrifying. So what? And that was my question to myself throughout my first pregnancy was basically, you know, so what? I need to digest this fear. It's not going to go away. I'm, I know that my body wants me to birth at home. My, my baby does not want to be born in a hospital. My baby does not want to be born in a hospital under fluorescent lights and a sterilized birth. Um, you know, I couldn't, I wasn't going to do the, the injections. Like it just was not like that idea of birth to me was terrifying.
0: Oh, you made me remember the thought I had earlier of these baby souls are also calling on these women that are hearing the feminine call to have babies in radical trust and peace at home because a lot of us were born in hospitals and and received hospital medical trauma as newborns. And these baby souls are saying, no, I don't want what Mm -hmm. you have. I don't want what your grandmother has. I want a peaceful birth in love and peace and trust at home where I was conceived. Yes. And a lot of the yes. baby souls I feel are, are calling out to women, mothers, and we hear their call and then we do it. Ooh, that is so good.
1: And it's so true because we think about like the energy of a hospital. That's where people who are very ill go to die. <laughs> and it's like your baby and birth is so beautiful. It is so raw. It is so intimate. And, like, to do that under fluorescent lighting with, like, charts and beeping people, like, looking at you, it's, like, I, I would have been – it would have ruined everything. It, and I also knew that, like, you know, I don't – no, I'm not going to go there because we're going to stay on the fact that these babies don't want to be born in that. They know. And, like, they don't want that trauma. And, it's, and, like, my husband and I, I was, like, we both had very traumatic births. Very traumatic births, and we cleared that. We cleared our trauma. Like it is over for him. It is over for me. That loop is closed. Our babies were born in trust and power. I mean, their placentas are born are are buried right where, like you know, ten feet from where they were born, and like and like it is just and it's also this. And now that I'm like you know two and a half years into this journey, it is the most normal thing, you know. Like me taking my baby's like placenta out of the freezer and like throwing it in like it. No, I didn't throw it. But like putting it in a, in a, in a hole in the earth and covering it up. And like even last year, the birth of just like my baby toddler sleeping while I'm like contracting and my husband, you know, like making dinner for him. Like it was so normal. And this is like I, I had to like trust the normalcy of that. Babies want to be born without all of these. They don't want to be industrialized. They don't want industrial, like, medical birth, like, messing up everything. It really is so insidious. And I see a lot of the birth workers being, like, a satanic ritual abuse. Uh, like, it really is something that dark and heavy. And women come out of those hospitals after giving birth, and they are they are traumatized and then inhibiting their growth because now they have all this bullshit that they have to sift through. And, but at the same time, like... Um, you know, a lot of us are where we are on our own journeys, and they don't. A lot of women don't know any better. They are trusting the, the authorities. Um, you know, who are saying that they're the professionals, that they're the experts, and so so much of this is about reclamation of authority, of being like, no, I'm the authority. I trust my body. I trust its design. You don't tell me how to birth my baby. You don't tell me how my baby wants to be born. You don't tell me, you know, how my baby wants to be conceived. That is my journey. That is for me to learn. And so like, gosh, it's just such a beautiful conversation because these babies, they're coming fully loaded. And so that's why home birth is taking off. And that's why a lot of people are having a huge issue with it too. And it really triggers people for some women to birth in their power, um, you know, outside of, out, out, without, you know, without a medical lens, like looking at them without, you know, medical observation. It is so radical to actually do that in this day and age. But when we do that, we're birthing our babies in a completely different energy, a completely different energy. We're at home. There's no strangers around us. We're we're trust. We're comfortable. And that's the most important thing because this all really goes back to the fact that we're mammals. We need to birth in a calm, dark, quiet place. We need to feel safe in order for that cervix to open. There's a whole process that has to you know, the hormonal matrix that has to unfold, certain parameters need to be, you know, need to be in place for that unfoldment to happen. And that those parameters just aren't there in hospitals. So, you know, with routine um, medicalized birth, it goes awry very quickly. It gets traumatic very quickly because it's going against the natural process. It's trying to force something Um, and the body knows better. So she clams up, you know, she's like, Oh, not safe. So she closes up. And then before you know it, they're pushing pitocin, they're pushing chemicals. And then before you know it, your baby's BP is spiking, um, or dipping, you know, and like, because you've, you've introduced something from outside, you know, um, an intervention that is completely unnatural to the process and you're derailing the process. So yeah, it is, um, like I said, it's an awakening to the feminine process of, of conception, of healing, um, of, of birth. Like it really is just, it's an unfoldment. It's, um, it's a process, you know, we don't, we don't force. We don't try to um, interject our will upon the universe. Like we are here to receive what the universe is giving us. We're not here to go chase it. And that's kind of just how the quantum makeup works. You know, we know now that how the quantum field works, like how you resonate is what you will attract. So if you are chasing something that seems so far away from you and all your you're expending all your energy to get to this thing that's so far away from you, you're pushing it further and further away and you're and you're cutting yourself off from from the true from the true frequencies of of birth and conception because you know these are These are, these are deeply, you know, genetically written codes that we cannot bypass. And when we try to bypass them in any capacity, like it's to our detriment. Um, So like, yeah, my journey was a huge, a huge, like awakening to surrender and being like, I can't control this. You know, who am I to try to control this? I have to let it, I have to let it go. So, like, they couldn't explain why I was pregnant. They wanted to know how, like, when was the the, the date of your last menstrual cycle? Because we needed to date, you know, my embryos. And that's usually what happens. Like, oh, I'm pregnant. And they're like, okay, when was the, the date of your last cycle? I could not tell them. I was like, I actually haven't had a cycle in years. And they were like, okay, that makes zero sense. So they don't know, they don't know when I, you know, I don't know when I was ovulating because I don't know when I bleed because of, you know, my cycle has been so, so off kilter. Um, My whole life really, it's a huge karmic thing that I'm working through with my body is, is regulating my cycle um, and kind of normalizing that. But yeah, having two babies um, without ever having a cycle, like I, uh, I've only, like I said earlier, like I've only had a handful of cycles my whole life. And so like the last one that I had was like literally five years ago, you know, it took me a long time, you know, <laughs> to, to have babies. Um, but this whole time I was miscarrying this whole time that I was, you know, birthing babies, I was having an irregular cycle. I was getting pregnant, not knowing when I was ovulating, not knowing that I was bleeding, um, just the cycle all over the place. So medically, they could not explain what was going on. And they still even like before my miscarriages, they could not explain what was going on with my cycle. So that was why most medical professionals were like, you're never going to get pregnant, we have no idea what's going on here. Um, and so that was why I was sitting in that infertility story, because I didn't have a cycle, and no doctors knew how to explain it. So it was something that I had really just accepted you know, I was, I was never going to be a mother, you know, it didn't even make sense biologically, because I don't have a cycle like a regular woman. Um, And so when I first started uh, getting pregnant, it was like, whoa, 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 now, like, we don't even know, you know, when I'm so I am ovulating, I'm not bleeding, but I'm ovulating. Something's going on here. So yeah.
0: Yeah, let's hear about the surrender of both of your births. Let's hear that.
1: You know, I really want, like you said, like a pain-free orgasmic birth. Like uh, I, I, I wanted it so bad. I did the hypnobirthing. I did all the meditations. I had done all that prep work. I did all the energetic prep work for a pain-free birth, but that was not my journey. And that's still something I'm still unhashing is my karmic relationship with my body who had, who chose to give me the most excruciating births and labors that I think, I honestly think, <laughs> um, my births uh, just they were they took me, they took me somewhere else. And all of the hundreds of, hundreds of births that I have seen, none of them reached the levels of desperation that I was reaching. And on, I had crazy back labor. Um, my babies were malpositioned. So I'm, you know, I'm doing gymnastics, trying to move my babies around. I'm uh, back pain that just surged and surged and surged. I was in transition for like, gosh, I think it was like six hours, and that's like when most women are like, like vomiting and they just can't tap out. They're they're tapping out, and it's only you know for you know a brief time. I was there for like a quarter of a day, and my pregnant my my labors were just they were so they were they were so arduous, but um you know, that was also the journey. And like, I was not, I was not scared of the pain. I was, I was petrified of the pain. I was, I was hysterical with pain. <laughs> and that was a thing of beauty in itself as well. You know, I, I, um, I didn't let it take me away. I kept myself grounded. I, I stayed in trust and I let it have its way with me. And I know that if I had been in a hospital medical setting, I would have tapped out. If someone was like, hey, we can help you. You want to numb it out? I'd be like, yeah, take me. Take me. Inject me with anything because that's where birth takes you. It takes you to levels of desperation that you can't even fathom. So if you're not putting yourself in a safe container to have that kind of explosive, infinite experience... Like, you're going, to, you're, going
0: to, you're going to try to give it to whoever's closest to you, you know? It sounds like a true underworld experience of your maiden dying to be saved. And you feel like you're dying. That's the underworld. You wanted to be saved, you know, with, with pain meds or whatever.
1: No one's coming to save you. <laughs> and that's the beautiful part about sovereign birth. No matter where it takes you, no one's coming for you. It's you and your baby and God. And that is a huge point. You know, it's like, okay, now I'm not scared. I'm not scared to to do this. Yeah. The pain is petrifying. Yeah. It's paralyzing, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm still trusting. I'm still holding on. And I refuse to give up because I just know that this is the way. And so like, that was like a big eye opening thing for me where I was like, okay, my body took me to the depth she was like it was so hard for her to release this baby it was so hard for her to get this baby out and and I just I I, I trusted her though like you know we know that the body and like just the way birth works we know if it were to get to that point fetal ejection reflex and the baby will come out when it's time to come out my babies came out perfectly they came out completely in different ways um, but yeah both times underworld experience for sure I thought I was dying You know, I thought I was dying and I, and there was came to a point where I was ready for death (laughs) and when, with, with birth, with sovereign birth and, and honestly, with any birth, hospital birth, surgical birth, home birth, free birth, death is crouching in the corner over there, shrouded like a grim raper sitting in the corner. He's not going anywhere. You just have to make peace with the fact that death is crouching in the corner and you know, if you don't make peace with that, things can go awry. So that's why like birth is death. And I was not, I was not going to lose myself in the death because I knew I knew it was birth. You know? Like it's just this whole this beautiful hormonal, energetic dance between life and death that birth takes you on. And I really wanted it to be organic. I really wanted to surrender to the, to the course of nature. I, I trusted my body. I knew it was gonna be hard for her even the second time, but I knew that we could do it. Um, so the first time having those women next to me, those birth workers, gosh, just being an empathic, open person, um, especially when, we're, when, we're, when we're, um, we're birthing, we're just blasted open energetically. We can feel everything around us. Um, you can feel the thoughts of anyone who's in the room. And I knew that those women believed in me. With my first birth, I had not been initiated. I was not ready for the pain. I was, not, I was, I was so scared. So ungrounded, the pain just lifted me. I was, I was, gone. I was just, I don't know where I was, but I knew that those women believed in me, and like as, and it carried me. It was such a gift that they that that, that gave me that um, I carried it into my second birth because I just I knew like it. I knew I could do it, and I embodied that belief. And so, no matter the, what the pain was, no matter um, what my body was going through, it felt like I was being deboned. You know, um, I. I, 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 trusted and my body, my
0: body did her work. She did it just fine. So then with your second baby, why did you choose not to have that support? What was that reasoning?
1: Um, my husband and I, we are very, um, we're very, uh, we're very spiritual people. We are very, very into, um, our relationship with God. It is very important. And, uh, it was just a huge, um, kind of invitation for me that I gave to him where I was like, do you, do you want to help me do this? Um, cause I, I, I knew I wanted to, to do it myself, um, unassisted. Um, but I wasn't going to do it if he was not comfortable because he was going to be, you know, my doula my midwife my birth keeper and also the babysitter you know taking care of our um caregiving our other baby so he had a lot to do while i was you know in the throes of the work so i was only going to do it if he was ready if he was up for it and he was so up for it so um because of my trust he trusted and it was like why not let's let's see if we you know let's do this um and so uh yeah it was it we became it was it was so intimate Um, and we're, we're closer than ever. And it was just this beautiful thing that he and I got to experience together. And he and I are just, um, we're very, we're very, we're watery, open, sensitive people. And just even having anyone else's energy in our space would throw us off and throw me off. And because we live in a non-traditional home, you know, we live in a big one roomed yurt. You know, we have two of them, you know, but, um, uh, there was no extra like place to put our, our birth worker and let them like go hang out in another room while I did my thing. They would have been in our space. And I just like really didn't, didn't want someone in my space the entire time. And I know they didn't want to be in my space the entire time either. So, um, you know, I just, I felt called to do it alone. And so, um, next time, um, I'll see how I feel because it was, it was cool. I loved doing it alone and I loved having help the first time, but, um, you know, even at the end of the day, uh, it wasn't really that big of a difference because it, it was all me. It was me and myself. No one could help me. <laughs> my pain was so extreme. Um, the intensity of birth for me and my body was so extreme that no one could do anything for me. It was my journey. And so like, you know, People would just have been, they would have been support. They would have been there to observe me because um, that's how I birth, anyways. Like, I don't want, I, you know, I don't want to be touched. I don't want to be looked at. I kind of just kind of like, you know, need to hunker down and like, you know, white knuckle through it. That's kind of how, how I do it. Just kind of left to, left alone. And um, I just didn't want to be observed. I didn't, I didn't, because I knew that no one was going to, no one was going to be able to help me. And birth is just like death. You know, it's only you who's crossing over, it's only you who's going through it. And so, like, just as naturally I'm kind of a private person, um, you know, these intense experiences are, are very personal to me. So I really wanted to have that intimacy. And I tell you what, in the darkness with just my husband in front of me in silence and me, like, bringing up my brand new baby to my face. Like in the in the still darkness at two a.m. and like bringing him to me and it was just me him and his daddy and me like sucking the amniotic fluid and like clearing his airways and kissing him awake and it was just us three, I mean I will it was it was it was peak peak of my life it was the peak life experience for me and um, not saying that like having a birth worker there would have muddled that experience but it would have brought in um, you know, someone else's energy that I would have been able to feel, you know, something, someone else's energy that I would still have to, you know, process them being there and they didn't need to be there. I didn't really need them. And so that was a big moment for me where I was like, I don't need them. You know, it would be nice for them to do all my laundry and to watch my baby and to bring me all, you know, the food and to tuck me in. Cause that, you know, birth workers are, they're doing amazing work. And yeah, I wanted that. I did want that, but it wasn't in our time frame, just because of our, our living situation um, and having them in our energy the entire time. I just did not want that. So I was like, we're doing it alone. Let's do it. And we did it. And it was so beautiful, and I'm so glad that I did it because it was, gosh, I mean, there's nothing more empowering. Like I'm so affirmed in who I am now. Um, just uh, just trusting that and trusting my own authority, trusting my intuition and trusting my mother body to do her work. Um, and getting out of her way, gosh, it it gifted me. It gifted me with so much wisdom. It, gets, it gifted me with lessons that I'm still digesting. Like, um, you know, it's it's still a journey. Journey is an integration process that I honestly think will last, you know, forever until we die. It's a lifetime occurrence. So I'm just I'm so glad that I did it this way. I have I had zero zero regrets with my second birth um, unassisted, and it was. Oh gosh, I just I kind of want to do it again. It's only been a year and I'm like, I wanna, I want to do it again just because it was so beautiful. It was so extreme and so exciting and I just I want that for every woman because what it ushered me into um gosh, like the radical self-authority. Um I just I want that for for other women because it has moved me and my life and my family into such alignment because I know how to make decisions for us. I know how to carry um, you know, our health. I know how to keep tabs on our nervous systems. I know how to I know how to manage all the things now. I in my new life as a mother and and I didn't have to really struggle to get here. And a lot of women do because of their birth trauma, which is why it's like so important that we talk about birth and we and we and we start normalizing sovereign birth because that is how women will arrived will arrive fully loaded into motherhood.
0: Exactly because you didn't get saved in the underworld when you really wanted it, you were able to reclaim yourself and be born into the mother. Instead of perpetuating the cycle of the wounded maiden, the wounded maiden that Mm. wants saving, wants saving because you did it. You did it. You were reborn into the mature mother and now you are that mother to your babies and that's what they need from you. So what do you want to speak on about motherhood? Anything about postpartum, breastfeeding, conscious parenting? You can meet your baby's needs. You know, if you can have those babies, if you can
1: conceive those babies, if you can birth those babies and you can have these children, whatever need comes up, you can meet it. I'm gifted with these, these wonderful babies who are so healthy. So I haven't had to really navigate, um, you know, anything like that too serious. But, um, my advice to women is that like the over, the overwhelm is literally just sensory go, go clear out your nervous system, go take care of your energy and get back into it because you're the only one who, who understands the energy of your child. You're the only one who can give them what they need, you know? And so, gosh, as a mother, like we had to go down to like a one-person income. Like I'm not working and, you know, our life looks radically different. We're incredibly frugal so that I can stay at home with my children because I was, you know, I'm not going to, no one else is going to do something for them that I can't do better. And so why would I outsource anyone to take care of my children, to birth my children, to take care of my children, to do anything with my children if I can do it better? And so that's like a huge thing that I'm seeing right now in the, in um, in our modern day mothering community is mothers feeling like they have to um, outsource childcare and you know leave the home and they, they 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 can't take care of their babies that in the capacity that they want to because they feel like the world doesn't let them do that. But a huge wake up call for me was like. You can't tell me what I can and can't do. I'm gonna stay with my babies. They're not going anywhere. They're mine, and, that, and no one else is ever going to take care of them except me. Especially when they're this young and they're 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 infants. Yeah, our life looks radically different. We had to we had to downsize. I tell you what, and it was worth it. And so, like, I just and this sounds so radical. I'm I i do not mean to be such a radical person, but I guess this is why I'm talking to you because you're radical too. You're either sacrificing, you know, your mortgage or your car your car loan or all these payments or your bougie lifestyle, you know, that you have to keep up, that you think you have to keep up, or you're sacrificing your child's well being. You know? So I had this choice. Like could we could we stay in a nice home and have our, our you know our vehicles and our nice things and our beautiful wardrobe, you know, all the all the extraneous, materialistic, consumeristic stuff that we love to have in our society. Or could you stay home with your babies? And raise them the way God has called you to. And for me, it was like, if I were to choose the the former, if I were to choose the world, my babies would suffer. And so I just see so many mothers um, who are choosing the world over their babies, and they think that they're choosing their babies because they're giving their babies what they, you know, the nice house and the lifestyle and the blah blah blah. But you're, you're sacrificing your child's well-being because you're, you're severing that early emotional attachment that is crucial in the first three years, you know? And I'm only speaking as a new mother here. You know, I don't have ch- big kids. I have little babies. So I'm saying that like, I, their nervous systems are so connected to mine um, that if I were to sever that bond, I would be severing a deep, deep trust um, mm-hmm. that, is, that is God-given. Um, and I would, you know, we know now uh, scientifically, that when young little babies are separated from their mothers, they, it's like death to them. They literally experience it as a death. Their, their nervous systems go haywire. They, are, they feel unsafe. They go into fight or flight. And we're doing this to babies, you know, with the cry it out method with infant daycare. I mean, we're just outsourcing parenthood. And we think that that's what we're supposed to be doing because society's like, oh, you, but you have this nine to five job that you need to keep because you have this mortgage and this, this nice house and these payments because of this, you know, vehicle you got recently and like all the things, all the, all the things, you know, and all those things are telling you, you know, to, to outsource your child's care when at, at, at the end of the day, like your child should matter the most.
0: Yeah, this brings up this conversation my husband and I and a friend just had really recently where our friend was asking him about his childhood and he said, oh, I got everything I wanted. And what he meant was material things. He was literally given every material thing he wanted throughout his whole childhood and teenage years. And then we said, but what about your emotional needs? Of course, of course, he didn't get them, right? He has severe wounding from certain events in his childhood. And those material things don't matter because he has severe wounding from a lack of emotional needs and, and these like spiritual wounds from events from his childhood. So, I mean, that's just, that's just a, such a great example of, yeah, you got all your material needs and so what? You're still wounded. What did, what did that do for you? what actually that did for him was now that he's an adult he keeps salivating over all these material things because it's what he got as a child he salivates over all these material things because he sh- was shown how important they are and he's woken up from that but it's taken a bit and that's his his unique journey that's different than mine
1: that's so true it's so true you know we put we 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 put this value we place this value outside of ourselves instead of these these you know, these deeply beautiful bonds that we have with these humans that we've created. And it's, it's sad. Um, you know, and that's, those are, those are, that's, that's a wound. That's a genetic, that's an inherited wound. You know, that's a generational wound of, of, of parents not knowing how to show love. Um, and I, like, I also closed that loop with, with, with my childhood. You know, I'm going to be a present mother. You know, I, it is me who cares for my children and um yeah, so much of it, so much of my journey now, right now is learning to live frugally so that I can be present right now in this season for my babies. You know, I had to say no to a lot of things. I had to say goodbye to a lot of things in order for me to live in this aligned way. Like you really can't have it all. (laughs) Like, and like parenthood is sacrifice, you know, and if you don't sacrifice like big, some, some big things for your baby, you know, your baby's going to be the one who sacrifices in the long run. And like, that's not fair to them. So like, um, Yeah, it's a, we, I just, it's a, it it was a big reckoning for me where I was like, none of, none of what is outside of me is me anymore. I almost detached like completely from, you know, the outer realms so that I could integrate these new humans um, into, into their embodied selves, you know, like bringing a baby, a human into this earth, it made everything extraneous. Everything else was just, everything else just be kind of came, just, just icing on the cake, you know, it's just it's just it's just fluff when I look at the bond that I have with me and my child. You know, nothing nothing is more important. And fostering this trust and fostering their intelligence and bringing them up in, in alignment and, and in peace and, and in slowness. That's been a big one too. A big shift in my lifestyle's been I'm raising these babies in slowness. We are we live very slowly out here. Um, nothing is that big of a deal. You know, I just want their nervous systems to be as grounded and as comfortable as possible. And, you know, there's no substitute for a present parent, there's no substitute.